Timothy chapter 2 and following verse 1 is to recap my brethren do not hold your faith in your glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism where if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in a fine clothes and there also comes a poor man in dirty clothes and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say you sit here in the good place and you say to the poor man you stand over there or sit down by my footstool have you not made distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil motives verse 5 listen my beloved brethren did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture you shall love your neighbor as yourself you're doing well but if you show partiality you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point he has become guilty of all for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. 12. So speak and so act, as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will merciless will be merciless. To one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Come to Paul's death. First 15 verse. verses. Um, last time we talked about those two people who came at the Calvary Bible Church some time ago. One dressed well, one did not. And how we, we throw the hypothetical situation, how do you think we currently, because it's okay to read this scenario as being described here by James and then leave it there as if it is removed, remote, it does not apply to us today. The question is, if not to that extreme, or maybe in that specific um, example, a rich person to poor, ensuring partiality, do you think today at Calvary Bible Church, which is more specific, rather than thinking maybe globally in terms of how is partiality demonstrated or shown in the church at large, worldwide, and now that down into terms of what do we see, if any, at Calvary Bible Church where there is partiality? I know we asked last time about your personal experiences. Have you felt that you have been um, prejudiced against by others, um, wherever, and what were those circumstances? And there were persons who shared a few examples. But when we think of the Catholic Bible Church, our local assembly here, do you think in any way there is any, have you seen, as far as you know, or experientially, 
there's any indication that we have been showing partiality, we have shown favoritism in some respect here at Cal. Do you recall any examples of that or sense any? Or if not personally, has anyone told you or you heard, even if you were not, or were you in the audience, um, when someone was expressing maybe where they felt that such partiality or favoritism existed here or exists here at Calvary Bible Church? I like your concert ex response. Can't think of one, two, three, none. So we don't have that issue at Calvary Bible Church, showing favoritism or partiality to persons coming into our midst, if not our own members, certainly uh, visitors to Calvary. And here's an interesting thought. Do you think generally that we as a people, more specifically the people of God here at Calvary Bible Church, that we treat visitors differently than we treat our own? Do you think there's a difference? A visitor as opposed to one of the locals? Oh, yeah, I see him oh, every day, yeah, compared to one who is coming in for the first time. Or one who is unfamiliar to us. Does the tourist get the best treatment and the locals get snubbed? Possibly, uh, because it's announced from pulpit, like if we have any visitors for the first time. So people in that area definitely feel probably obligated to hail them. Um, but people who might come to Calvary, if they're not members, but who come here, um, but are relatively new in terms of they don't know as many people, they might feel ostracized from everyone else because they don't know as many people here. Probably only the people where they usually sit. Okay, and maybe even in that sense where they sit, when there's a few, the, the routine event where they ask to greet those persons sitting near them, do you think when people greet one another that they do not know, do you think people normally express names and share names? Or do they smile at you, shake hand and move on with an artificial hug? Smile. 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 But wrong will engage rather than like a bee from one flower to the next. All right, you buzz in, you buzz in. Um, so, do you think, for example, that is it even effective to say they smile, shake hands, and go on? So, the person who is a stranger comes and somebody shook my hand or somebody smiled at me, and as soon as they turn their face, it was different. The facial expression changed, and they go on to some, or they sat down. You know, or the next one, you know, and then they switch your head, hey, then they go, hey, hey, you know, uh, um, that's it. So it's, it's, it's like, whoa, you know, and that's it. They don't know who they are. 
not even the tag or the name to say this is, unless of course you announced, and we don't, unless you have a name given to you before. But if they just walked in and we don't have a list of the names of persons who they are, and say we have with us today Mr. Miss so-and-so, um, and sometimes they might, if the people at the door tells, get the correct information, we can say this person is from um, Dead Man's Key, you know, Andros. You know, and say, oh, so somebody says, okay, that's where they're from. At least you have that. And somebody, you can come over and say, you know, I'm from Deadman's. I've been the one. And some people, that's a little bit more extended. But everything say, hey, don't take too long. Let's greet somebody. We don't have all day to do this stuff because that's not important. Uh, as important right now. And maybe the, because we condense the time, and maybe show the degree to which we put value on getting to know the person. And that may not be the whole setting of why we come together in the first place. Um, just to get to know, at least certainly by time, it is not um, a high priority in terms of time. Five minutes is long, if that happens in five minutes, because they're giving time people to move, you know. That's only long enough to sing one song if you were singing, you know, just to get the kids out and then that's it. You know, people still more than somebody move in and says, oh, okay, y'all get back to your seat. I'm on pulpit this morning, maybe I should tell them that, um, um, as if I am your ambassador. And I sent by the class here and says, I have an announcement to make. They said, you people take as much time as you like. You know? <laughs> you know, get to know the people, stop pretending to smile and tell people to read them. Maybe I'll say that too. Check the smile, you know, the genuineness of the smile. You know, after they turn their face from you see they're still smiling. If they secretly change, it wasn't real. Touch them on the shoulder and say, come back here. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. As a spirit leads. Thank you, dear. I may call names no, in case. No, no, no. <laughs> but um, so, so there's some of the things. If there's any partiality or difference in terms of how we do things, certainly here, yeah, James, you know, we say, yeah, that, that's, that's not nice. And we talked about last time about the difference. This usher seemed to be short-sighted, and he had, a, he had a vision problem, you know. But he saw something. He said, "Oh, this one is an outstanding person, so this one get preferential treatment." You come up front, prominent seat. This other one, you smell, look by. You come stand up. Don't even sit down to contaminate any of our seats, you know. And if you really want to sit down, you, you two, sit on the floor by my footstool because the footstool where you put your foot on. So you don't even sit on my stool. Sit on. The, next to where my footstool is. Which tells me you sitting very low. You don't want to be seen. Oh, I certainly don't want anybody to see you here. You know, I may not be able to disguise your smell, but, you know, but stay out of sight. You know, you can't be going up there. Certainly you will not be allowed to go and sit next to the person who had on all the fine bling blings. I'm told that's what they call it. Not a front. You know, but see you. That's not good. But James said uh, a uh, reprimand for these people. And essentially he says is when you do that, you're showing partiality. In other words, is that the way God treats us? Is that the way God sees the same person? Because our actions, uh, in this case, determine that we have prejudged the person based on what is visual, instead of knowing heart. And that is always the a delicate balance because we always we're so quick to look on the exterior and then miss what is really of essence, what's on the inside. We do not know the circumstances as to why this person was poor as he was, as described here. You know, we don't even know how a rich man attained his wealth or riches. 
you know, and yet but what we see he is in that status uh, um, level. And so we responded by treating him as if he had preferential treatment. And then God talks, well, the scripture talks about he in terms of how God um, treats the poor. Verse 5 says, listen boys, me and my, my brothers and sisters, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith? What does that mean to you? Choose the poor to be rich in faith. Does that mean that all rich people are poor in faith? And all poor people are rich in faith? What is that? How do you understand or interpret that? Listen, my beloved brethren. Did not God honor or chose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Conjure? What do you say to the next door kids when they said, teacher? What that means? <laughs> which you say, I understand that. How do you explain that verse? My beloved brethren, so he associated himself with a guy related to you. As a reminder, didn't God choose to pour of this world to be rich in faith? He did. And to be heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the question is um, rhetorical and expected answers to be in the affirmative. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, so, but what does it mean that he chose the poor of this world? It's not exclusive. It is, uh, it is the, the, the promise of salvation and joint heirs with Christ isn't only to people who look and smell nice or can afford certain things. It's, it's everyone. Okay. Can you think of anybody who was in the world standard poor, who was rich in faith? Any any of those persons between Jenny and Ravi? Genesis and Revelation? Jesus. Jesus. Economically. Why do you think he was poor? One set of clothes. He needed one set of clothes? Be careful, anything you say kind of be used against you. I'm pretty sure he You're pretty. You say you, you are pretty. Um, <laughs> you, did say, you say you're pretty sure. He only had one set of clothes. Based on what? The, um, how he lived. Um, and how did he live that suggests he had one suit? He was always, he never had a, had to go to London. a sort of, he never really had a job. So like he wasn't doing anything to get himself money. He was wandering the countryside teaching. Okay. He depended on the hospitality of others wherever he went. Okay. So it doesn't seem like he would have this, the funds to actually buy any any sort of extras because you see he and the disciples they worried about food several times while they were journeying okay um there's a question well let's just remember this is 
what we know is looking at only three years, right? Yeah. About his life, approximately three years. So for 30 years, he's been living. Before we, we, we zoom in on the last three years, other than his uh, um, episode into Jerusalem um, when he was 12. So during that whole period, even the one that you say he had, how do you think he came by that one? Salvation Army or the strip shop? And I think when he met his disciples, I think he was not in the new. I think he had on some. Yeah, I just interested where he got that from. It was sale was office was being done at Macy's. Uh, where, where do you think he got that one? His mom, I don't make it. Mom. And she told him, boy, this is the only one I get. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. And so when he had to go, I, I, and I, I, I am of the, the view that at some point he had to, to change that. You know, a little sweaty, you know. You know, he felt a little bit funky. So he had to change that. Do um, you think he has been old sales for a swim? You know, in Galilee. I know he'd walk on the water, didn't tell me he'd been swimming, but, um, but to watch the logistics, the little details of his life. Um, I'm not sure, let me just maybe get the, the feedback of some others here. Do you feel that Jesus only had one set of clothes? Just looking without knowing, because the Bible did not speak to this, you know, but just looking generally speaking. There's a man, and even the disciples who, who um, he would have chosen to be with him initially, uh, when he was 30 now. So he's gone and he's been caught. You know, he went down to the river. Um, John says, Behold, and he got wet, you know, baptized. And that's it. Walked out formally, his mission began. That's it. And he never take their clothes off. Now, you saw some people walking around now, so you know I've been taking off their clothes for a while. I've seen some of them. And, you know, and if you stop and they come near you, stop breathing. Yeah, that's what the song we talk about. Some read, read to death. Well, this one, read to death. You were dead, dead. So, what was it? What do you really think about? Do you think Jesus only had one? Yeah, and then he did not know from moment to moment what he was going to eat. Do you remember what was in the group? What was Judas' responsibility? So they had money. They call it the pool resources, money for the needs as they travel. Now that was a pool for the. That was a, I guess, let's say, a three-year uh, um, co-op. You know, where they pool their their resources, three years because we hang together. Years. They abandon their regular means of of income for three years, and so they made the best basic need. And do we then assume? That those, all of them, then, who were with him, do you think they went back home occasionally and decided the guy needs to stop or by oriented together or change it, drop my things off the money? Or Peter, who was married at home, did he stop off there to let his wife, did he have children? You know, Bible thought that was not significant enough to tell us the details of that. But do you think that the same thing would be applicable for the rest of the set? They have the time to be stopping on side if you go into here and you take this Portuguese little shortcut here, um, he tore down this alley corridor to visit family. Here for two days, you know, give myself a new set of laundry, clean up. 
so we can hit the road again. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, I don't, I don't know if we have evidence that they only had one pair of clothes, but I think it's possible that they had clothes. Uh, the change between, but I think like Michael is saying that uh, Jesus grew up in a poor family, like even when he was born, and they carried him to the temple eight days afterwards, um, and they had to sacrifice the, I think it's the two birds or something like that, pigeons, instead of, I think you could use a lamb as well. It showed the status of the family, so his family was already poor, and even when he was an adult, some of the teachers came to him, they said this guy has no education, so... Uh, they're kind of making fun of him, like this dude has no education, why are we all listening to him anyway? Uh, so it showed that he didn't come from a family that had lots of money. Uh, but I think he would have clothes, and, uh, we don't know yeah, how like much. people might have given clothes to say, oh, Jesus is coming. Uh, like, what? <laughs> like, this is too small <laughs> for Peter. Some people give you a food, yeah. stop by, you know. <laughs> But you, you can't, I think it lasts long, you gotta eat that, because you can't, on the best way to carry food like that, it's probably in your bed, alright? So if, um, if somebody says, look here, I had a, another piece of, here's something in the stock, it's getting cold, here you can take this piece, you know, trade that over one in, you know? I, I, when you're coming back this way, because those little details are not listed here, and if he's passing through and he comes back, I'll stop by, let me take, when you guys back, stop by, alright? Take about three days, so when the word hit the road, you know, people of those times had their own way of networking on the internet, you know, um, to, so that they can connect. Oh, he's coming back, right? The word is out that he's on the road, around the corner. So they come back out and stop by and give. But certainly, in terms of economics, Jesus was not. Now, there's no evidence from scripture that suggests that he was over the top wealthy, even though there are persons who. Today, when preach tell me that, and you said it's a basis of for this prosperity gospel, you know. And uh, when he was, um, his, 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 the clothes that he wore at his crucifixion, in terms of saying, people, why would you want to throw uh, a guys to gamble for his time as if that was some special deal? Had well made, you know, where the latest um, fine turrets. So they said, okay, we can't tear this one, you know, this is some good stuff, good material here. Fine quality from the Orient, made in China. But they did put a robe on it. Yeah, to tease and whip. You think that they may have taken it off and by them you have to the car. But they would have to say, okay, this is kingly, kingly attire. But that was just a mockery. But the other stuff that he had around him, uh, they said, well, let's not mess that up. Suggests that it has some value. But it could have been a whole part of the whole mockery scheme that we would take you, strip you bare. Nothing you own, you have nothing. But the other disciples, as we said, um, could also for like three years been in a similar way. Uh, everybody had a backpack. You're traveling like a backpack. You had your essentials in it, you know. And um, how they went about changing and whatever they changed. Obviously, as he said, scripture does not put any emphasis on that. So that was not that important. What is important is in the essence of not so much what these people were in the local assembly, um, where they came from per se. The important issue is how we treat people. 
of his favoritism, whether it was poor, but now people would treat people, it has nothing to do with your social status. You can treat people differently or show favoritism based not on economics. Some people could be, as we mentioned last time, are treated based on the color of their skin. You know, um, and sometimes people are uh, based on sometimes what you do in society. You know, some people will form an opinion of just because and they label you. You know, they like to compartmentalize you, and then they will tell me, "Well, that's an okay compartment." Nah, that one not, and so people react to that. Uh, why? But in the it's, it's varied. But in the body of Christ, it. it uh, James is saying here that this should not happen. That's not the way we should treat people um, who are part of the body of Christ. So, when it says that God chose the poor of this world to be rich in faith, um, and also the, the, the promise of the kingdom, or the, the part of the kingdom, heirs of the kingdom, because of the promise that he's made to those who love him. Um, and I, I think Michael said it, it is not necessarily exclusive to rich people. The same thing could be reversed. It doesn't mean that only poor people have faith, could be rich in faith, or are heirs of the kingdom. The, the, the key or the clincher is those who love him. Is it possible for a rich man to love God? Yeah. Uh, some people say it's more, it's more difficult because you can have something else you can put your affection on. Uh, like your wealth, your material things, the person who is rich, as opposed to the poor. He said, I ain't gonna let him, so anything only God could happen. So he transferred his affection to God. So it's probably, it's almost, it's also hypothetical, that the poor could go to the other extreme. He said, there can't be God. So I don't, don't tell me about the love of God. Because you see a poor level, and look, dear God, the God you say loves me, and I thank you. I ain't for that. You know, I want some of what that rich man of the hill got. That's what, then when I get it, then I'll think about this God. But get me from here, I'm at the bottom of the bottom. Then I'll deal with this concept or this view about God. So there's no exclusivity to either social status, but those who love Him. But these people, obviously this practice is made there in the local assembly, but He says, but you have um, dishonored the poor man. It is not the rich, and he asks, is it not the rich who personally drag you into court? Why would a rich man drag the poor man to court? They like it, right? Why would a rich man drag a poor man to court? So which means the poor man was in debt to the rich. How do you think that may happen? Why would Paul put himself in the debt that he cannot pay? So we have more lens on necessity. Because the rich have the surplus. And he's, if you want a dollar, uh, then he just better pay me about a dollar for two by Friday. Oh, yes. Um, and the rich, the poor man, look, I need a dollar now. Okay, yeah, whatever you say. I agree to it, but I need this now. I know I can get it by Friday, but I hope it's something break for me. Something great, yeah, I promise. Agree. But nonetheless, there is this, obviously there was some exchange. And it was these rich people, generally speaking, we don't say all rich people drive people to court. 
but obviously James was referring to these people have personal experience. Yeah, yeah, why is it that you're highlighting these people who predominantly despise the poor, abuse the poor, um, take advantage of the poor, and yet you, when they show up in your audience, you smile a while, you give your face no rest, and you take them right up to the front. And you sit next to them, you know, and say, you okay? And you come by while they you say, you okay? Is there anything I can get for you? Or you need a drink or something? You know? Yeah. Do, you, do you need me to provide you with some air conditioning? Personal air conditioning, I'll find you. Yes, there's plenty of air conditioning. What do you need? Anything I'm at your service, sir? Why do you think people do that to people, some people, to the rich? Why do you think they get this preferential treatment by some people? They want some back. You know, they're thinking, if I treat him well, this is my opportunity. Maybe they'll call me afterwards and say, you know, you're extra kind of man. Uh, you know, sometimes you grease your palm with <laughs> a bit of oil, you know, call me money, you know, or some special favor. So it tells you also about the person who's doing that. They have an ulterior motive. Why you treat the rich that way? Because you think they can, I can get something from them. Maybe they will throw some of that my way. But the poor, all you run over them is you can get the same order they have. Smell bad, it's like they were smoking something. And you walk away with a scent on you. They can't have food. So you try to avoid them. They don't get the same treatment. And Gene is telling them, that's Papon, that he no good. Do they not blaspheme the name in which you have been called? In other words, even your, your faith, your God. It's the rich people who say, look here, I am not of a God. Look at you. I don't believe in no God, I'm rich. You believe in God, and you're poor. You're dirty poor. You're stinking poor. And look at me. I smell good. I smell, I'm filthy rich. <laughs> you smell it. You look at me, you smell my green called richness. You know. And these are the people who you give me preferential treatment. And they ask him the question, why do you do that? These are the people who curse your God that you say you believe in, yet you believe it. What's going on? What is, is that not hypocritical? Oh, in other words, snap out of it. What are you doing? And yet this has been uh, against the practice. And he says in verse 8, if Father, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scriptures, which says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. He says, if mind you, if you're doing that. And they call it royal law. Why, why do you plan to put this royal on that? Explanation, please. This is royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. But no. That's the king's law. King's law. And the king's law is not to be disobeyed. And if you did that, could you see how any, most of the other laws become insignificant, almost not necessary? Suppose, have one, here's a guess. How many laws do you think, civil law, you think they have in the ground? About a lot? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, do you think if it was possible to apply that law, and there's this royal 
that says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, first, because you always have this one, is we're going to be very technical and say, who my neighbor is? But you already know the right answer. Do you remember the story of the bad Samaritan? I mean, the good Samaritan? Who's your neighbor? Just so to be on the same page. Everyone. Love your neighbor as yourself. But here comes this something. Do you believe, that's a sneeze. Do you believe that some people do not love themselves? So when you tell them, love your neighbor like you love yourself, there can be some violence going up in here. Yeah. Because some people treat themselves violently. So I, I, I believe there's clear evidence that there are some people on the planet, I would be a little even more specific, there are even some people in the Bahamas who do not love themselves. And so when you say the royal law, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the measure to which you love other people is directly proportionate to how you love yourself. Do you agree? Your silence is deafening. Yes? So how do you... But let's take that, let's assume that, so let's hope that's a small minority of people who do not love themselves. But the assumption is that most people love themselves. How is that generally to, to support, how is that generally supported by facts? How do you know people love themselves? They take care. And, and an example of taking care would be what? Because sometimes you watch some people's behavior and say, that's, that's, that's abusive. That is self-abusive. As a matter of fact, if you continue that interview, that's leading on the path to suicide. What would be an example of a, a basic taking care of yourself? Exercising. <laughs> Exercising. That's, that's, that's a bad answer for some people who say that. Some people who say that. Okay. Just thinking. <laughs> Oh ye, oh ye, you do want to withdraw that thing. Hygiene. Hygiene. Basic hygiene. Okay. Uh, hygiene. Yeah. Some people only get, only, only have high. Right? And including their genes, you know. Yeah, uh, that's to be weird. Basic hygiene. Um, and I think that will cover uh, some general areas. And say, well, why do you do that? Well, and some people try not to try to avoid things that can harm them. That is particularly that is painful initially. You know, most people try to avoid getting an accident or try to avoid falling or going certain places. Inside. No, I think I can jump. You know, I read once that some people did this before and they survived. All they had is maybe a broken leg. I think I'm going to try it this time. And maybe I'll get in the Guinness Book of Records for being the first one to try this, this stuff. You know, most people have a, a decent respect of fire, you know. And then someone would feel like if I put my hand over, do you think I have the same room as Kentucky Fried Chicken? If I put my fingers, finger licking the, over the flame. What's it, if you see and you hear that, you say, what's, what's going on here? You know, because you said, generally speaking, people love themselves or try to preserve themselves from um, hygiene again. And then there's, there's the social aspect, you know, and how you want to be perceived by others. There's always that built-in fact. What would other people think? The question is, suppose you were the only person on the island. Would some of those hygiene still be in practice? Or some of you take away something? 
Stations to be talking about. They can award people for kindness. 
award kind of boy, that would be public, you know, that would be sweet. You know, this person was just about to fall down, and then so comes this, this community of neighbors and just act as a cushion, and this poor old lady just lying here on top of seven people, and she was so grateful. Oh, what an act of kindness, people headline you. And did you hear what happened over there on Fox So Park? They had a wheelchair basketball game. You know, all people over 80. It was a wonderful sight. <laughs> well, love your neighbor as yourself. But if, if this was practiced, and unfortunately you have to say this to people in the church, you know, you say, well, this is the royal law. Because obviously if I tell you this is what you need to be practicing, it means that at some level this is not being practiced in the body of faith. Which is, I mean, it's a little bit, uh, not only unfortunate, embarrassing um, to have to address that at this level. But the fact is that it was happening. Showing favoritism, and because they, we have we decided for whatever selfish uh, motive we had to segregate, differentiate between how we treat this one as opposed to this one, rather than treating everybody alike to love yourself. Why would you do certain things for yourself that you decide I'll do this for this one too, like I would do for myself? People use this expression sometimes. Um, people come to your house, do you always say, welcome? Do you know what that means? Uh-huh. Yeah. And do you never hear this term, I don't know, and make yourself feel at home? People always say that. Make yourself feel at home. Make yourself feel as if you were in your own home. Is that scary? That's not scary? It's on, on who it is. <laughs> If you tell anybody who comes to your door, hello, oh, smile a while, come on in, make yourself feel at home. If somebody took you up literally on that, you have to have an idea or assumption of how they feel when they, what they do at home. Well, first of all, if the person comes in and you say, make yourself feel at home, and they say, oh, thank you. They said, where's the refrigerator? And if you know, after you get out that momentary shock that they would ask you for your refrigerator, and you point to it, they said, ah, oh, thank you. And they went, straight in, rummaging through, through the refrigerator, ah. They said, hey, I don't see you have anything in here like this. You know, um, what else you get? And, uh, if there's anybody else to which you may be looking for eye contact, I said, what's going on? This person said, come on, mate, but you did say. <laughs> Make yourself feel as if you are in your own home, which means there's no restriction. This is an extension of my home. At your own home, now I know in some homes they had some restrictions for some members of the family. You could only go so far. <laughs> don't go here, don't do that. They are, you know, there's some limit. But when you tell the person come to your house or your living space, make yourself feel as if you're at home, you're giving them the same thing. And then, But we now have trivialized it. That's only words now. Because if somebody tried that, the last time they come to your house, you may, if you endure that, the next time they knock or ring your doorbell or they say they come in, you will find a quick lie to say that you're not home or don't answer the bell. Even though your car is in the garage. We eat here. We went on a trip. You know, even though the TV on, you know, loud, you know. But we eat last time you said, or you have to change your thing. You said, come on in, sit there and don't move. That, that's not being very kind to your guests. Make yourself comfortable. That is weird. You know what makes me comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you say, I'm not comfortable. Uh, to see this, okay. 
that the outside body is comfortable. But internally, I want something. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm a little bit tired for a long drive. I'm always to bed. <laughs> uh, uh, so she'd come here, but I was a little bit tired. So give me the 10, 15 minutes. It was, uh, and I'd never couch settees or whatever you call it. They're not they're uncomfortable because, you know, you can't get any more space. You know, um, I, need some, I need some place to go. Um, so where, where do we go? Where do you sleep? <laughs> Because you know you look well rested. I want the same kind of rest you have. You know, so so where do you you lie down? On the floor. On the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that that won't do for me. So um, where else? Do, what other options do I have? He said, look, you, 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 this is a little unusual. For me. But you did say you don't make yourself feel at home. But the law people, if, if we practice that so much, but that seems so impossible. And the reason it seems impossible to see widespread in our community is because it's not happening in a particular house or home. Do you, would you support that view? That the reason what we see, or why we see what we see in the community is because it's not practiced in the house. In the house, if you say, treat everybody like your neighbor, and then you say, yeah, you can do that in this house. Because I know the people in this house. But my neighbor goes through, or who's next to I don't like to see they believe differently. I can't that 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 law ends right in your own house if it exists there. When you step outside your door, that's a different thing because they have some different values that will act as a uh uh that's a conflict. Because what you believe or what I or we believe is so juxtaposed, so opposite that that's gonna be a constant conflict. And so you do what you want to do in your area, I do what I do here. And that's a line in the sand, don't cross that. And so we carry that, that's easily spread throughout the community. So I don't value you or your possession, your rights, I don't value that. So there's no hesitation for me to commit a crime, to violate your right, intrude on your privacy. Um, take what belongs to you or abuse what is yours. Because this love thing, uh -huh. love your neighbor, uh -huh. you say everybody for themselves and God for God. Do I love me? You love you. I'm going to love you. God love all of us. That's enough for me. That's as far as I'm prepared to go. Me loving you, that's another story. But when they say that, if you ask them if God loves you and God loves me, why is it that you choose to tell God that? Um, Oh, you love that person who I hate. And God, who has all knowledge, determined that I still love you. As if we then assume that we have reached the status of becoming judge, the ultimate supreme judge, um, because we do not have any faults of our own. But if, and then I shut up here in verse 9, this is a recap. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin. Oops. Really? That's a little harsh. James here. Because everybody have different tastes. <laughs> yes. Yes, right. <laughs> so 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 taste mean that's a sin. I, I just don't like people like that. You know? Does that mean that I sin? I, I see see if James is living here like where I live, he won't say that. He will change the tone of what he write. Because this world really like what he bring back there, you know? No, no, no. What do you say to that verse? And then I, 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 I shut up. Any, 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 any of that stuff is sin if you show partiality. 
<laughs> this is where you say, I read it. And you say, I guess it's true. But it ain't practical. Anybody can live up to that. So, since I've already given to that, so when it happened to me, I already know I can't live up to that. Because uh, God, he made me like that. To live up to that. Because that's the way God made me, to hate people. <laughs> yeah. God is my judge. Because I ain't God. Only God can love everybody. Is that true? But if you show partiality, you are committing sin. And you are convicted. Whoa! You're already convicted by the law. Hmm. When a criminal is already convicted, then he's sentenced. Right? See to the Lord, as you are a transgressor, you are a thief, you are a murderer, you have transgressed the law. Let me close up the corner, I've got it in my head. If you, if you, remember the following words talk about if you break the law, then we talk about murder versus culture. And somebody say, I, but I, I don't do that, but that's another piece of maybe we can swing on next time. Sin, convicted, mm. favoritism. What do you say? Any closing thoughts? Before we are rudely interrupted, with somebody coming on this door in a moment. And the twinkling of an eye. What you say? We, we knew when a person shows partiality. I guess in this context, to a rich person or a poor person, they sin because they do not uphold the law of loving their neighbor as themselves. If the neighbor is everyone, the neighbor includes the poor, uh, just, as much, just as much as it does the rich. So if they show preferential treatment to rich people, then they're not loving the poor people as they love themselves, because they wouldn't want to sit at their footstool or on the floor. Or they can stand up in the corner. So. It's a breach of the whole law. Mm. But the people are doing so good in some other areas. It's not like the people are yes, so smart, but to be coming around people, man. <laughs> you know, so, so, but I do everything else well. And you also have to come and board me. That was only a little thing. He just was not bad. You know, you can't let him disrupt the whole service. I was only trying to help. You know, and I try to tell him, did, did you behave? And he says, no. And I say, you have to go. <laughs> and he said, he ain't going nowhere. He won't hear the word. The wedding, I'm not doing my sin. Yeah, but you're going to distract other people from hearing the word. He said, well, look here. Uh, um, aren't you going to park them dot? He left outside speaking on And then he could hear it from outside. It's raining. <laughs> well, maybe that's a good time to get a little shower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the person who shows this pressure, he said, you've sinned and already been convicted as a transgressor. Guilty, sin, and then you got to confess. In other words, when we sin, do you understand that we break fellowship with God? Yeah? Boy, that, that happened often. Eh? And sometimes very... Because of an attitude, <laughs> there's this static disconnection. And if you can visualize it, you'll see a lot of people going into spasm. You know, you know, um, 
setting. There's a thought. There's a word. There's an action that is simple. And then there's this static. And you can see it like lightning. You know, little bursts. Like the Christmas tree light flickering. Well, we've always had Christmas. 365 days a year. We see coming in the same year. Lights are always flashing. <laughs> yes, Christmas again, Christmas all the time. Practically, we need to determine. It's easy to say, to say, because we have this built-in scheme as to what we accept, what we've been conditioned to accept is, I like, I like, I prefer, I prefer, and still at the same time, not allow that preference to overrule, but still treat everybody with respect, love. I may disagree with you, how you take care of yourself, but who you are at your core, as an individual, trying to put on the lens of how God sees you. Yeah, and then that's where we need to constantly ask God for that endowment and do it. Grace. God, let me see as you see. I hear your word here, but when this give, give me an opportunity, maybe because of someone, if not someone, a certain class of people, um, to love them like I love myself. Because I've been struggling. I have struggled with that person, or that Google person. I really don't, my view for them stops on what I see on the outside. I just hearing the name or that grouping, and that's it. I already went in a defensive mode. And I know based on what you say in the word that when I do that, I have sinned and already been convicted as a transgressor of the law. I break and broken your law. And for that, I acknowledge that and repent. And help me not to break it again in the next hour when the thought comes or next week. You know, and God says, okay. Then he sends this person to you, tap in the shoulder and say, hello. And you say, God, not yet. I ain't ready yet. And he's kicking the head into my system for me to forgive him or not to, you know, uh, um, demonstrate my favoritism. And he says, get from an army. Don't touch me. Don't even look at me. Let us pray before this interruption continues. <laughs> Father, thank you again for what we had. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the character, James, that you have used to uh, remind us about how we should treat those that come into our context. Um, Cause us really to put this royal law into effect from day to day, because I'm sure we have moments when it will become applicable, but that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And in doing so, Lord, we know that we will be fulfilling the law in this regard. Cause us to be faithful to you in this respect. Now, as we as part of the incredible body of Christ leave here to interact with other members in a corporate way, we ask that you will be pleased with our assembling and our praise, our worship, our meditation. In Jesus' name, Amen.